From Crazy Hood Productions, I'm Jay Havana, and this is Family Ties. Today's episode is about Crazy Hood member Charles. Originally from Miami, he grew up soaking in a variety of music from all genres, including the Miami music scene. A military vet, he introduced delegation to Crazy Hood, and he was heavily involved in the Crazy Hood gear. Listen close as he shares his story. Always authentic, always crazy. Another day, another dollar, my story to tell. Another failed piss test, I'm back to jail. Jail cells overcrowded with killers and thieves. Putting work, motherfuckers, roll up your sleeves. I'm Comtown representer, I'm letting them know. I keep it hood with a nigga, so hand me my dough. I don't play when it comes to bread or the raps. Instead, get the killer motherfucker till his vocals dead. My crazy hood overthrowing, shut up. Nigga, you see the pistol showing from the CPT. Down with EFV in between the beef and the peace, local line is still on. The real and the fake couple lies get in. Couple of stripper holes where you snaps to see. Who is Charles and where are you from? Uh, I'm, I'm the original Crazy Hood member, born and raised in Miami. All mm. oh, motherfuckers are from somewhere else. Came down. Um, but I was born and raised out here, so. Um, you know, my, the, the hip-hop scene out here was probably totally different um, than my, what you might have heard, you know, from some of the other podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they call me Charles, they call me Skins, they call me Two Gats, they call me Charles without the R, Dragu, I got like a bunch of different names. Okay. Um, basically, um, like I said, I'm, my nationality, like heritage-wise, is Brazilian. Okay. Like I said, born and raised here. Um, I got, uh, I'm the oldest of, uh, three kids. Um, I've got a brother and a sister, you know, and I'm going to admit right now, in case they listen to this, uh, I love them both very much, but I wasn't the best brother in the world. Um, just wanted to get out there in case they listen to this. But, um, when I was young, my real father, he split when I was around two. Um, he was, uh, in and out of prison or on the run. Mm -hmm. Um, I used to have like, uh, FBI or detectives. I don't know who they was, but come to the house sometimes. I was a kid. They'd knock on the door, show me they badge, kind of trick me and ask me was the last time I seen my dad type shit, you know, trying to see if she's been in contact with us. Um, you know, I used to have that stuff happen regularly. And, um, you know, he was, he was on the, I was most of my life growing up. He was in in and out of prison or, Mm. or, um, you know, hiding from the law or whatever he was doing. Right. Um, now he's in Brazil and he went to Brazil. He had to do prison there too. So, you know, his life has kind of been in and out. And, you know, I love him. You know, he's my dad. I go visit him all the time in Brazil. So, um, okay. um, you know, that's kind of how that went. And so during that time, um, you know, until my, my mom remarried, um, you know, it was pretty much me, my brother, and my sister. And, um, you know, I, I don't want to say I was the man of the house because I was, you know, I was obviously a kid, but. I was kind of like the one watching over my brother and sister most of the time. My mom, you know, had had to work and, and you know make sure that we was taken care of. Right. Um, so my mom, you know, she went ahead and um, you know she remarried um, to a man who I call my father now because he's been in my life. Mm-hmm. You know, that to me was uh, um, something that changed my life forever because you know you know my dad now he came in and. Um, church and doing a lot of that you know that kind of stuff uh-huh. you know and that instilled a lot of morals and values in me that I probably wouldn't have had if I'd probably be on a different path right now probably 
right. had it not been for that. Okay. Right. So, um, you know, I, um, you know, that's kind of like my childhood and, you know, quick five minutes of where my life was, but it was, yeah. it was interesting. It was different. Um, I, uh, you know, being that I was born and raised here, we went to, uh, you know, we went to elementary school out here and, uh, yeah. you know, we used to, uh, so one thing I thought was funny in the other podcast, everybody was complaining about how hot it was and, uh, right. they had to walk a thousand blocks and shit. Well, You're you know, out to. here in Miami, yeah, yeah, we had these things called bikes, right? So we jump <laughs> on them motherfuckers and it wouldn't be so, so far of a fucking walk for us, right? We just get on that shit and pedal. So, right. <laughs> uh, we used to, I used to ride the bikes, you know, me and my brother and sister, we used to ride the bikes to school and stuff like that. Right. Back then it was all about BMXs and, you know, everybody kind of like yeah. you know, doing bikes and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and we would do that, we'd go to elementary school. So I went to elementary school here and that's kind of where I started hearing hip hop. Oh, uh, okay. Was in elementary school okay. because you know you gotta think back then. Mm-hmm. It, no, this is I'm just probably like 
outlet for me. And I don't, I don't know if it was just because of my my um, childhood experience with my real father and everything like that, but I had a lot of uh, anger that I, I didn't realize I had right. until I could channel some of that through the music. Right? Because everything in hip-hop is kind of talking about some kind of struggle somebody's going through. And they might not necessarily have been my struggle, right? but I went through, I had a struggle, right? So yeah. I felt like, it was like, I was like, dang, what is this? This is cool. You know, and everything rhymes. I mean, that's just amazing. So when you hear, you hear Run DMC for the first time, it's like, oh, dang, what is this? You know, it's like, okay. Now, now here's the thing. So I'm hearing it, right? And, um, but I don't really have access to it. Mm. Because, again, there is no internet, right? And until cable came around, you started having MTV. Um, and MTV started having MTV raps. Yeah. There wasn't really any way to get the music. Gotcha. I remember, um, you know, I would sometimes I would, uh, I had uh, me and my brother stay in the room. I had bunk beds. I'd be on the top of the bunk with a walkman trying to tune in to like different stations. And 90% of the radio stations, you know, they weren't, they weren't playing hip hop. But if they played anything hip hop, it was like late at night for an hour, like two in the morning. Right. Mm. And I'd be sitting there with some cheesy ass headphones um, and trying to just hear a song and hit record because I'd have a cassette in there and hit record and try to try to record a song so I could just listen to it again because yeah. that was the only way for me to get it. Um, so, you know, it, and especially being that you're from Miami, music didn't trickle down here as much as it might have been easier for, you know, the cast that stayed up north to get mm. that, right? Because if you're in New York or Boston or, you know, Chicago, you, you're going you're gonna to hear anything all day because it's going gonna, it's gonna to get, the, you know, it's going to be all over the place. But down here, it wasn't like I could just hear the newest joint out from so-and-so, right? You mm. just had to kind of wait for it to come down. Exactly. Right. So, I mean, that you know, that was always a challenge. That was always, you know, something that was, that Miami lacked was that, you know, that fresh, you know, this just came out. You know, you can hear it. You'd have to wait for it to trickle down. Right. And later on, that's why EFN became so instrumental with his mixtapes because then he'd bring stuff that you wouldn't get, right? But that's, that's a lot later on. When, when I got into, um, like, like I remember when I heard the first Beastie Boys song, and it was like, "What? What is this?" And it was like, "Me, here's a little story I got to tell." You know, the Paul Revere song, and it's like, mm -hmm. and it was so different. And that's what I kind of loved about hip hop when I first started hearing it. It was like there was all kinds of different styles. Yes. Like, yeah. It was. It was. It was. It was totally different. So when I, um, you know, when in elementary school when I started hearing it, you know, I started going into junior high. And back then, it was like my mom bought us clothes one time a year for the whole year, right? So it's not mm -hmm. like I had a wardrobe. I had seven shirts and I think two pair of pants. Right. And we were only allowed one pair of shoes for the summer. And I remember when I, the, the Run DMC, my Adidas came out, I was like, I want Adidas. And I was rocking Adidas for like all junior high because my mom could afford it. And it was, But it was only one pair. So if them things were dirty as fuck by the end of the year, <laughs> I didn't give a fuck. I kept, I kept wearing them. You yeah. know? That's all I had. And it was Adidas. Right. So uh, I remember doing that. I remember I remember the first pair of Adidas I had. They were like, they were um, mid tops and uh, not mid tops, but uh, high tops, and they fucking um, had like maroon, the maroon stripes. I don't know what they were back then, but that, I just loved them. They were like, oh wow, and I, I I wore them things till they the sole came off, right? Because yeah, yeah. that was the only way I'd get a new pair. Yeah, sole had to come off. <laughs> so uh, um, so when we were in junior high, you know, that's when hip hop started becoming uh, real prevalent. Right. Um, you know, when you were in elementary school, people, you really didn't think about elementary school, where did people come from? Like, you come from New York, nobody knows where New York, you know, really didn't think about New York like that, you know, as a place. Right. You know, when you're in elementary school. But when you got
got to junior high, it was different, right? You're older. Yeah. Um, I think you start taking geography classes and shit, and you figure out where things are, right? So when I remember when uh, you know, people would come from New York, they were automatically like the cool kid in the in the in the school because mm. for whatever reason, Miami, you know, certain people in Miami was like giving respect to New York. Right. Um, and when you were from New York, you're like, oh shit, you're from New York. So you know, they were automatically you know sweated by the girls and all that stuff. Dudes wanted to be their friends, but to me. It wasn't about them being from New York. It was about, I wonder what kind of music they, they know about. Like, what mm. do they know about hip-hop? Because right. they are going to know probably a lot more and put me on to things that I might not know. So, to me, it's like, um, you know how people collect stamps or coins and stuff like that? Yeah. To me, it was like I was a collector of music, like, of artists. Like, I didn't care what. You know, I had such a wide variety of, of artists I would listen to from the lynch mob to the far side, to nice. Spice One, we talked about that earlier, to, yeah. um, uh, you know, Lords of the Underground, Onyx, I mean, I, I'm not saying these are all out there in junior high, I'm just saying, like, I I liked a lot of different artists, and I like to be able to, you know, especially the more underground they were, the more I kind of got into them. Exactly. So to me, if you were from New York, I wanted to pick your brain and see what it was that you knew about that I, I, I could find, right? Because I think during the time junior during junior high, I want to say that's when maybe UNTV raps came out. I okay. can't recall when it was. That was maybe high school. Uh-huh. But, um, you know, I know they had the magazines too. They had the rap page. I think it was rap pages at the time. Uh-huh. I don't remember if the source was out yet. Um, or Rap City. I think, was that what it was? Anyway, I don't remember. But, um, you know, and that was the only other way you got access to hip hop. Um, so, you know, in, in junior high, there was, uh, you know, it was all about. You know, if you were from New York, with shit, then that's when gangs kind of started creeping up in Miami mm. right around that junior high time. Because I remember when uh, uh, we used to go home from school, you would sometimes, you'd get the kids from high school driving by, and they would be jumping you if you had any gold around your neck. Mm. Right? So, um, you know, that's kind of where you started seeing that trend of, um, you know, gangsters. I don't know what they were at that time, because I'm in junior high, and, you know, it's not like you stop and ask, hey, when you just jack somebody, what gang you in? But right. whatever, that's what that's what they were doing. Because um, I remember when they would drive by me, I would just kind of like pull my collar down and be like, you know, just show I don't got no jewelry. So they would just go on to the next person and jack them. <laughs> that was in front of me, right? <laughs> you know, that's what you used to do because I used to see them and I was like, these guys are jacking, right? So I just pull my shit down. I ain't got no gold, but I'm not going to afford to get us no chains back then. And right. I wasn't really into that shit. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the gang scene started kind of coming up, but it was not the gang scene like uh, like L.A. You know, it's, it's it's different. It's, you know, you heard that we were in Kendall, right? So that was the other thing. You know, I was born and raised in Kendall. Right. And, you know, as you heard, that's kind of like a suburb of, of Miami. Yeah. But it's not, you know, it's a suburb that gets slept on. It's like yeah. a lot of shit happens in Kendall that you would not expect to happen in Kendall. Exactly. And because it's, yeah, because it's a suburb, it's not as... It's not known like the hood, the, but it's a lot of shit happens there. Right. Because, you know, there are hoods in Miami. There are a lot yeah. of hoods that are, you know, pretty gangsta. And you go in them, you might not come out, and they might jack you, right? And, and we all know what those are. But, and, um, you know, Kendo, you know, you, you felt it was some, like, families moved there thinking your kids were going to be all right. But really, it was like the kids came and they were just, you know, just as bad as some of the kids in the motherhoods. Right. So... You know, it was just that you were in a suburb type of area. Um, you know, so you've heard some of the gangs that came around IMP. We had Latin Kings. We had Folk. We had uh, Bird Road Boys. We had all kinds of these gangs that were not, like, you know, nationally known. You know, some of them were, like, Folk and stuff like that. But, you know, IMP, that was 
I have I have friends in some of them, and then others I didn't like. I was just that kind of guy that just got around, got, got kind of got along with everybody. I didn't really care. I mean, me, it was all about Miami. Yeah. So I mean, I was just like I liked repping Miami. Um, and there was a certain point when um, we got into high school that a lot of the gangs were beefing with a lot of the New Yorkers. So that's mm. what we used to call them. It started it started getting annoying, right? Like the New Yorkers would come. And then it would be like, oh, New York, New York, New York. And be like, man, shut the fuck up. You're in Miami. You know what I'm saying? And, <laughs> and then there would get that, there would be that conflict. Yeah. And, you know, when you were, when you were like born or, or you're originally from Miami, you were at Miami all the time. The New Yorkers would come and they'd have their boots and their, and their, their hoodies and all that shit. Yeah. There was that, there was that conflict between the gangsters at the, whatever those gangsters were at that time. And a lot of New Yorkers were, and they would have that kind of beef. Right. You know, so when you're in high school, when you get into like, you know, ninth, 10th grade, you know, you're kind of like, ah, yeah, fuck the New Yorkers, man. You know, it's all about Miami. But you don't realize at some point in time that, you know, it's not really that it's New Yorker. It's 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 more like hip-hop, right? It's, right. There is a transition between hip-hop and, and New Yorkers. There's a, there's a correlation. Um, in Miami, the music scene was so different. Like, for instance, um, they had, it was, Miami was all about bass. Bass mm. dancing and boogie music. Right. I mean, there was um, there were hip hop artists out here like Last Straw's Mother Superior, but I didn't even know about them. And I was born and raised here. Right. I didn't even know about them until you know he put me onto them years later. Right. Because right. I'm like, who are these? I don't know who they are. Because back then it was just booty music. If it was Miami, it was booty music. And then you had Two Life Crew, right? Everybody knew about Two Life Crew. For sure. Um, right. So, but you had you had groups like. They had shit out here called Jam Pony. Do you know what Jam Pony is? Uh-uh. Jam Pony is probably to me now. I'll probably gonna catch some slack for this because it is a, a staple of Miami, right? It's okay. part of the culture. But to me, it's fucking annoying. And basically, what it is is they're playing the hottest track, and every five seconds they're cutting out and speaking over the words, trying to make their own song. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So they're like they're trying to fill in the lyrics of the song, like. So they'd be like, blah, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. And then the song goes on, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, they're talking over it. And I used to be like, what the fuck are these guys doing? They're ruining the song. Up. I want to hear the fucking song. And they keep talking over it. And at the time, you don't know what the fuck they're saying. Because back then, it wasn't like you had crystal clear mics. Yeah, right? Or, right. Or whatever the case may be. So sometimes it'd be like mumbling or whatever. But like, you could check it out. There was, um, I think it was the, the Sugar Hill DJs. Um, they were huge uh, Jam Pony uh, DJs. You check them out on YouTube. And you can, you can hear some of this shit. And you can kind of hear how it was like every five seconds they'd cut in and talk right but that mm. was that was huge down here jam pony wasn't a new york thing it wasn't a chicago thing it was a miami thing it was huge in miami jam pony you go to any of the hoods in miami you even probably any parties street parties anything it was jam pony all day that gotcha. and bass music right bass and dance and dance music you know booty music i mean when i was in junior high, high school it was so much about bass like you didn't have a, your car, if you had a car, you had to have a system, and that system needed to cause an earthquake, a 4.5, at least 4.5 earthquake on the Richter scale when it came down the street, or you did not have a system. Gotcha. Them shits, you would, they would drive down the street, and your house would just, everything be falling off the wall. I mean, that kind of bass, you sit in that car, and it's like, your organs are getting massaged. Uh, <laughs> that was the bass back then it was huge I mean there, there, right. there used to be a dude called uh, DJ Magic Mike 
yeah. um, that put out these space tapes. Like I even tried to put it on the other day and almost blew my um, damn speakers out here in my in my computer. Wow. Because you know that bass was so fucking hard. Yeah. I mean, it was hard bass, and that was another staple of Miami was the bass. I mean, it's like holy shit. Like you might have had AOAs and all that stuff in some of the songs, mm-hmm. you know, you know, and, and and some of these other scenes. But man, the bass out here it would kick. Man, it would break. It would bring walls down. That's crazy. Um, that we you know, and then they had, um, you know, and then they obviously had a lot of dance music. I mean, they had classic Miami songs. They had the Young and Restless out here, mm. the Poison Ivy song, B Girls. Um, they even had some Spanish cats out here called uh, Boys from the Bottom, right? Okay. Now, when you think Spanish cats in hip hop, who do you think of automatically? You think of Fat Joe, right? Right? You might think of uh, Beat Nuts, mm-hmm. right? Big pun. And, and these dudes, boys, yeah, uh, these dudes, Boys from the Bottom, my boy Alex put me on the and uh, these niggas had hits out here in Miami, and they had a song called Abusadora where they were rapping in English and rapping in Spanish. Uh-huh. Right? They had another song, uh, Boom, I Got Your Girlfriend. Ah, I Got Your Girl. Say what? And that was a big, you know, uh, you know, bass dance track out here, too. Yeah. But they were Spanish from Miami, in the, and they all came out at the same time as Beat Nuts and Fat Joe, because Beat Nuts and Fat Joe all came out around 1990. Right. And these dudes came out around 1990. So you can see Miami had like. It had its own flavor of music, its own thing it was trying to do. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it wasn't something that was, obviously, you know, across all the different states, right? Yeah, it, was it wasn't mostly, nationwide, yeah. Right, right, right. It was just it was just here, but, you know, it had a scene. Yes. Um. So when, high, so when I got into junior high and high school, kind of getting back to, to the music, there wasn't the, the people I hung with at that time. It was my boy Alex. It was my boy Clay. Um, I had another boy, um, the mop, that used to listen to hip-hop. Um, I had... Um, my boy Wayne, who moved away and came back, he he listened to hip hop. So when I get into high school, I start getting a lot more friends that like that like hip hop, right? So now I'm really getting you know exposure to a lot of the different music and what they're listening to, what I'm listening to, right. and you know there's there's more of it, right? And junior high was kind of scarce, you know, it was there, but in Miami again it was kind of hard. But and it was and anything you turn into the radio is going to be at this point buoy music, bass, and and you know Spanish mixed with hip hop. Exactly, yeah. Right. So then when you get into high school, now hip-hop's starting to become more mainstream. Okay. Now it's starting to get played on the radio. Now you have the box out there, which was the box was a cable channel out here in Miami. Mm-hmm. Basically, what you would do is you'd call in and you would pay all over the phone yes. the $2 to pick a song, and then they would play your song an hour later or whatever the case may be. Right? It was like a jukebox, but over your over the phone and on the TV, um, which was dope because then you could start kind of requesting those songs that you wanted to hear that you knew had videos out but you, you really didn't have access to, right? Gotcha. Um, then, you know, they had, obviously, the MTV, the uh, you know, MTV raps. I used to listen to that shit religiously. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you were in when you were in high school, what was so dope was at that point in time, man, the genre of hip-hop was just fucking insane. Like, I was telling my boy Jason the other day that, you know, back then, no, no matter what kind of mood I was in, I could just say, yo, I want to listen to, you know, Spice One. I want to listen to MC8. Um, and you know, and they're two different sounds. Mm-hmm. I want to listen to Farsight, totally different sound. I want to listen to a uh, DOS Effects, yeah. totally different sound. EPMD, Redman. You know, you could go anywhere. I mean, they had they had artists in Atlanta, Kilo, that the local artists out there. You could listen to. I mean, you had um, you know, you had Three Six Mafia. You had um, you know, um, Eight Ball MJG. There's Bontas. so many yeah. artists. Mm-hmm. It was like a buffet of music. It was, and yeah. for me, being like I was trying to say a collector of music, I could just 
you know, I always wanted to get all of these people's tapes and all of their albums. And and we used to in high school because you get, you know, your lunch allowance, I think it was like a dollar fifty. Right. And I used to I remember my parents, you know, they'd give it to me because it's not like they had a lot of money. They'd give me that dollar fifty, they'd give me that dollar fifty every day and I wouldn't eat lunch. Mm. And if I ate lunch I had to beg other people for money. Hey yo, you got a quarter? Hey dog, you got fifty cents? And that's how we used to do it. Like right. me and my other boy, we used to do that shit every day so that we would save up enough money because back then if you wanted to buy an album it was like $15 or something, a cassette. Yeah, it's true. And, you know, we would save up and, and then we'd go buy an album at the store, right? Because, right. you know, my circle was small back then of who listened to hip-hop. And that's what we would do, man. And and and, and now if you want to listen to music, it kind of all sounds the same. I mean, mm-hmm. I was so... Southern, like in my 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 aspect of things, I loved Southern music. Mm-hmm. Like you know, I liked Three Six Mafia before people knew who Three Six Mafia was, and even though their rhymes weren't the tightest, there was something raw about it. Right, right. It was just raw, and it was their story, and I liked it. I like I like the beats that weren't mainstream beats. They were just raw beats. They were raw lyrics, and they were just talking all kinds of crazy shit. And I liked it. Mm-hmm. But like right now, my favorite artist today, and it's crazy. It's like I love De La Soul. Yeah, they were my fucking favorite because. De La Soul, man, that, that, and if you don't, I think De La Soul is so slept on because their production, their beats, mm-hmm. they're fucking crazy, you know, especially a lot of their older albums and the samples they would use and then their, their, and then their, the way they rhyme, you know, to this day, sometimes I put on tracks, I'm like, what are they saying? You know, because yeah. their, <laughs> the way they rhymed and, how, and their, their slang or whatever it was that they were doing, it's totally different. It was just like a totally different type of music, but it was dope. What was right, and it wasn't gangster, right? Yeah, yeah. What was your uh, favorite song, Adela? So, or what's your favorite song? I don't have a favorite song. I have too many. favorite albums. I like Three Feet High and Rising. I like De La Soul is Dead. De La Soul to me is one of my favorite. Then I love Juvenile. Like Juvenile to me is fucking. I think he's super lyrical, and you know where he comes from, and you know that that style of music. And then I love obviously Outkast and Goody Mob. Like those right. are my other favorite groups, yeah. right? Now, those are like my super favorite groups. Then I have other favorite groups like Naughty by Nature, DMX, yeah. uh, you know, oh, you know, Red Man. I love Red Man. You know, there's there's all kinds of things. You know what? You know what I, I liked a lot when they first came out was mm. uh, Sir Mix a Lot. Okay, all it right. Might sound corny now because people <laughs> don't don't know about Sir Mix a Lot. Just think, uh, Baby Got Back and Anaconda. Right. Yo, when he came out with Posse on Broadway, that shit was dope. I went and bought me a raccoon hat. <laughs> Remember how I used to rock the raccoon hat? Yeah. And I went and got me a raccoon hat. I'm like, yo, this is dope. Yo, that posse on Broadway was so ill, right? And that was kind of like the Bay Area shit or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know, then you had E40 and, you know, <laughs> yo, there was, I, I thought that shit was dope, right? So yeah. I had, so that, like, I could say what mood do I want to be in today and, and just put something on. I thought, yo, I used to love me some NWA, you know. Ice Cube, like I said, the Lynch Mob, that was a spinoff of Ice, you know, about yeah. Ice Cube shit. Like, a lot of people don't know about that, but that I thought them niggas was hard. I used right. to fucking listen to that shit all the time, right? right? Yeah. So, that, you know, that's high school for me, and you know, what the music was that was like that. So, that's kind of like, just kind of my, um, from, you know... Your, from, your, your musical taste in high school and what you, what you were right. exposed to, and then from yeah. from going from like elementary and junior high where you didn't have that access to music and it was hard for it to trickle down it was finally starting to come down as as hip hop started getting more and more popular yeah exactly and again high school there's still no internet internet's not there like that it might just have been coming out but we ain't really fuck with it like that yeah, yeah. like like I, I wasn't it wasn't that that mainstream but um 
from the music to you know how I, I met these guys. Yeah. So how how did you meet um, EFN and or, and Crazy Hood? So the, the thing about these guys is um, it's kind of like I met a few of them in different times. Got you. But it really didn't all come together, right? So like I think the first person I met was probably uh, I mean, it might have been Eric. It might have been Eric because I remember one time I, Eric, I, was, I was in the hallways EFN. Yeah. So going to the hallways, right and um. There was a, you know, he was sitting there with a dude Humphrey, which was one of the original Crazy Hood members as well. Okay. And uh, they were sitting there and they were looking at paintball magazines. I remember, and I was like, and I like, I like paintball at that time, so I, you know, I engaged them in a conversation. But, you know, it wasn't like we were boys or anything like that. You know, they just we just talked about paintball and all that shit. Bell mm-hmm. rang and we went to class, right? So I kind of knew them, you know, from that kind of thing. Every once in a while, some on the hall. Sometimes we would talk about war movies and shit like that because. Even like war movies, and I was a I was a war fanatic. Right. Um, I was an ROTC and all that, so I loved you know that military stuff. Um, anything with I guess violence or whatever, you know. But like the main people I hung out with in high school was my boy Clay, my boy Alex, and my boy Wayne, and we were like our own little clique, and we kind of did our own thing. Gotcha. Now, E, I know E knew Humphrey. I knew E knew a lot of people, and then I had Adrian. I met that dickhead in English, and I just said dickhead because. Can't say shit because his podcast is already out, so I can call him a dickhead all day. Dickhead, dickhead, dickhead. Just want to let him know that he's a dickhead. But no, I love that motherfucker, right? That's my boy. Right. But uh, when I met him in, in, uh, in high school, uh, he he had just came. Uh, he had, he's already been in Miami, but he was, you know, he had that little British swag that he wanted to have. I remember he had some daylights in his in his fucking head, but he had a Rat Page magazine that he okay. was reading during English class, and that to me was like, okay, fair game. So I remember I was like, yo. You know, the class teachers talking like, yo, let me see that magazine. Yo, that dude looked at me like I was the most annoyingest motherfucker. Like, fuck, this guy wants to read my magazine. Like, like that <laughs> shit was a playboy or something like that. Fucking kind of like handed it to me. Doesn't even look at me. Like, just put his hand back and just passed it back to me. Like, I don't want to deal with this guy. Right? <laughs> I'm like, all right, whatever. I'll right. take, take it, his magazine. I'm going through that shit to get this shit back to class. Next time I seen this shit, I asked him again for it. Let me see it. Right. <laughs> Right. I know that was like that was my first experience with Adrian. He ain't know me, I ain't know him, but I was asking him for his shit. <laughs> and right. besides he's a dickhead. Now now going ahead, going past that. Um that was Drain. I met Paul and we were thoughts. Um he was uh he was the dude in my history class that was always sleeping. <laughs> like, like I used to say to myself, that guy ain't gonna be nothing in life, that guy just sleeps. So he doesn't sleep. Right. That dude, I swear to God, he'd come the whole year. That dude did nothing but slept in the class. I don't know how he passed the class. <laughs> Actually, I do know how he passed the class. Because our history teacher, he was a little off. And he uh, he lost his grade book. And then he just started coming around asking everybody what grade we thought we had. Oh, like, what? Well, he thought, yeah. Like, it was like towards the end of the year. I don't know if he lost his grade book or somebody jacked it. I don't know what it was, man. That school was so ridiculous. But, but uh, I remember he would come, hey, what, what grade do you think you deserve, right? And then we would say it, right? And he would put it in. And I think Paul said he deserved a B or some shit. I don't know. But that, yo, that dude would sleep the whole class, right? I'm like, this guy. Now, I had a, I had another friend. And this is kind of what put everything together. His name right. was Doe. His Doe name was my dog today. Right. We his, call him Donut. His name is what? Doe. Okay. Donut. Short for Donut. Got you. He's my dog to this day. I love that dude. He, uh, he was with these guys, right? They would always go and play basketball at that, that spot, Sugarwood, and all that shit. That's what they would do. They would hang. They would have their little clique. He knew E. He knew Paul. Adrian didn't really hang around with him at that time. You know, Adrian kind of comes in the scene a little later. I mean, everybody knew who Adrian was, but it wasn't like uh, he wanted to play basketball with these dudes. You know, then we had Steve. 
mm-hmm. um, which was Paul's cousin. Also. And, uh, yeah, so these guys, you know, they kind of all hung out, and I met Doe, right? Me and Doe had childcare, right? So if you wanted an easy A or what you thought was going to be an easy A as an elective in high school, you took childcare. Mm. There really wasn't an easy A. It was fucking a pain in the ass class because you had to, like, it's like psychology for kids and you had to write essays and fucking like, reports and shit like that. Right. And if you ever have a kid and you're a teacher, do not put them in childcare because them kids, we tripped a few of them. I'm just, I'm just going to stand up and say a lot of those kids got tricked <laughs> while they ran around. But, uh, <laughs> but me and Doe, that's when me and Doe met and we, 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 yo, we clicked because Doe liked hip hop, I liked hip hop, and Doe was a cool ass dude. Right. And, um, you know, we, you know, we would, with the whole year, we were in class together. So through him, I started getting cool with Paul and I started getting cool with E because they would hang out sometimes and I would go hang out with them, right? So this is probably like now we're probably like talking about my senior year of high school. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of how I met them, but you know, it wasn't like, so I hung out with them every once in a while, but they weren't like my best friends or anything like that. You know, Doe was at that time, Doe was to me like a best friend, but Eric, Paul and all of them, I just knew who they were, but you know, and I know that was those side friends so you know that was his thing but he hung out every once in a while right right then i left um i left to the uh to the military uh after high school i joined the army i joined the infantry okay um not because i because i had to because i scored high enough that i could pick whatever but i chose to do infantry because i i wanted to to do the uh you know the fighting on the ground and all that shit Mm -hmm. obviously there was no wars at that time so you know it's not like i went anywhere but uh either way it was uh you know, that was an interesting experience because what I, how I grew up in Miami, and the one thing about Miami is it's it's a melting pot, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's racism everywhere, and you know, there's probably racism, you know, there's racism in Miami, but it's not that prevalent as you would expect. So when I'm in the military, I'm in Georgia. Mm-hmm. That shit was fucking racist as fuck, right? Okay. So me being from Miami, I ain't used to all that racist shit. I'm like, what the fuck, man? Yo, they used to, uh, you know, basic training that shit was like prison <laughs> they, wow. they would uh they would try to check you jack your shit and, if, and, and the funny thing was yo there were people there were people that were in there that were like from these small towns in ohio or nebraska or you know like from all over the, the united states the places you never heard of mm-hmm. that they just joined the military and boom they're there right and they're there with dudes from inner cities you know dudes that um you know probably were gangs la or whatever whatever right mm-hmm. so they the dudes would come in there and they would click up and they knew exactly what they were doing and they would come and they would they would fuck with you like they would come and jack jack your shit they would try to do whatever they wanted they would sell drugs and that shit wow. they would fucking gang you know gang jump you it was nuts it was like prison wow that's, <laughs> and, crazy. Uh, that's crazy yeah yeah except you didn't get shanked right well, <laughs> you, had, you had the sock you had the locks and the socks and all that shit like they would they would some people would get fucked up right. so you know I did that shit and while I was and I remember while I was in um in, in the army, you know, you, you didn't have any exposure to music while you were in basic training, and that was that for me lasted like eight months. Correct. Um, so, I mean, I think right at the time Wu Tang Clan came out, I remember that was like the biggest shit. Like, oh fuck, Wu Tang Clan, oh damn, right? And I remember because I got my, I got, I think I had my two week leave, and I came back to Miami. I heard about Wu Tang Clan, and I fucking went back to Miami. I mean, I'm sorry, back to Georgia, uh-huh. and I was like, Wu Tang Clan, Wu Tang Clan. You guys heard about this shit? And some people did, some people didn't. You know, that, that was like the biggest shit back then. That was probably like 93, 94. Okay. But um, while I was in the army, though, the dude that was cool with E, he, um, he was like, yo, he, he started a music thing called Crazy Hood. And I'm like, oh, all right, cool, man. That's, that's, that's dope. 
Now, mind you, there's, we don't even, like, cell phones, I don't even think we're out back then. I think we still had beepers. Um, you know, and if you call, it was, like, long-distance call, and it was, like, a, a $1,000 bill. Right. So, you know, it's not, like, communicated that frequently, right? So sure. I remember, though, when I, one time I did talk to though, he was like, yeah, he, he's starting a music thing. I'm like, oh, he's, like, DJing. It's called Crazy Hood. And I'm like, all right, that's, that's dope, whatever, because, you know, I'm into music. So he was like, uh, and while I was while I was in the army, I was dating a girl at the time who was a female MC, and then we would go to Atlanta all the time, and she would try to, and we'd work with um, producers over there, and she was trying to make a tape, oh, right? Okay. So I was kind of always doing something like that with music, even though I my, myself didn't necessarily rap or do anything like that. Okay. Um. So while I was in the army, he I think when I was on leave, though, gave me ease. I think it was his second mixtape. Mm. It was the second mixtape he did. I think it was like it wasn't even like it, it was just you know how like you used to write on the on the on the insert. Yeah, yeah. You know, it would just it said EFN Volume Two or whatever in red ink, and that's what it was, right? And you know, I used to listen to it, and I'm like, okay, okay, dope, you know, some shit on here. Um, but you know, I you know you know I was in the military, right? So so years passed by, and you know, I'm thinking, okay, that's cool, but I'm not thinking that's like some shit that's gonna be there forever. Right. right, you know. So when I got out of the military, and I came back to Miami. Lo and behold, these motherfuckers are still doing crazy hood. So I'm like, oh shit, that's that's pretty dope. So you know, I get back, I connect with Doe, and you know, we start going out and partying. And, and this and is every uh, time we go out. And, this is after the army. Yeah, now this is after the army, right? So uh, in the army, he gave me his the yeah. first EFM mixtape that I heard. Right. And I, you know, like I said, I'm not thinking it's gonna last too long. It's not like I'm like, okay, this is gonna be you know something that's gonna be going on forever. I'm just thinking it's you know it's a phase. People are doing it. Right. Okay. But when I come back from the army, uh-huh. they're still doing crazy hood. So I'm like, oh shit, that's dope, right? Like, I didn't, I wasn't even thinking that shit was gonna be around that long. Like, it <laughs> gotcha. wasn't a, something that was like on my radar. Like, oh, I wonder what crazy hood is doing, right? right. But when I come back, they, they're still doing crazy hood, and those still in it, and all the people originally there are still in it. So I, you know, start. I hook up with Doe again. We start hanging out, right? So every time there's a party or whatever, your friends start spinning and club. Like, now you got to mind. Remember, remember, Keep in mind that while I was in the military, these guys are doing their their house parties. EFN started doing his his. I think it was a shootout I won. You know, he's he's starting to do some clubs and he's right. starting to make his like again his mixtapes and he's really getting heavy into the scene, right? He's starting to get um um uh, drain and then to start making their demo tapes that he can start shopping around. Right. So when I come back from the army, you know, they've done all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you know, Doe was like, yo, he's going to go to a club tonight or we're all going to go to this hip hop club tonight because hip hop clubs were kind of rare and they were like, it was very hard, you know, to get a good hip hop night. Uh-huh. You know, I would roll with them, right? I just back out from the army and I would roll with them. So I would go and then when I roll with them, I would, you know, then I'm hanging out with Paul again. I'm hanging out with, uh, you know, some other dudes that were in the crew at the time. Um, start meeting, um, you know, Hector and, 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 uh, and Orlando and all them just because every time, Anytime that we all hung out, you know, they'd be around, right? So, you know, just by association, it'd be like, yo, what's up, what's up, blah, blah, blah. And we'd be like a little click in the club and, and doing whatever. Right, right. But, you know, I wasn't like trying to be in CHP or anything at that time. It was just me hanging out with those, with those friends, which were all cool, right? I'd have no problem with it. Because this is the thing I, I liked about these guys, even in high school, was these, these motherfuckers, they was cool, but they weren't like, they weren't like a gang. You know, they were just like, they handled their shit. But they were just humble dudes that were just friends. Right. They weren't gangs. Right. right. And I, I was like, I wasn't really trying to join no gang or anything like that. So I always just respect that. Even though I came out of the military, these guys were all still friends. So I'm like, right, you know, they're kind of cool. So whatever. Um, so I hung out with them probably like for a year or so. 
I think just kind of just being a tag along dude that just was just there whenever there was a party because you know I didn't I didn't have any responsibilities and I would just go do whatever I wanted. Right. So if they were partying, I was partying, right? Um, so then turn around, uh, probably like a year and a half later, I don't remember. I remember there was a, a car. There was an incident where we were driving. It was me, Doe, and E, and I was in the back seat, and he was kind of talking about you know crazy hood and. Cause you know, I was just, I always ask kind of like general questions cause you know, I was just curious about, you know, I thought it was dope they were doing music. Sure. And, uh, he was kind of like, uh, yo, um, you know, I, I want to do this, that, and the other, but sometimes it's hard to get, you know, I feel like I'm doing everything myself, you know, at this point in time, you know, cause everybody's kind of doing the wrong thing and it's hard to get that structure and everything in place. Right. And me being in the military, I'm like, yo, well, why don't you just delegate? And he was like, what you talking about? I said, Yo, if you want somebody to do promotions, fucking assign somebody to do promotions. If you want mm. somebody to be the guy that calls the, ra- the record the record labels to get you fucking tapes and shit or, or um, um, leaks, just sign that to that dude. You know what I'm saying? Delegate. You got a crew of like fucking eight, eight nine, ten people. Right. You can get them all fucking things to do, right? And now this is me outside of not being in CHP. This is just me saying, like, yo, just, this is what we do in the military all the time. He's like, I'm not going to do shit. I'm going to give it to the next dude. Let him do it. Like, he just got to report back to me and tell me it's done. Right. That's all I care about is that he gets it done, right? And I think after that conversation, I don't know, but I remember, I want to say it was probably a month later, though, was like, yo, he wants to know if you want to be in Crazy Hood. Wow. So I was like, ah. Then I thought about it. I'm like, wow, I'm kind of with them all the fucking time anyway. Right. And um, the way I looked at it was uh, I I love music and shit. Why not be in a music scene that's that's that local local to Miami right now? Here's Here's, what, here's the other thing I liked about these guys. They were all from somewhere else, right? Remember, I'm the old, the original one from Miami. Correct. They were all from somewhere else, but these guys repped Miami. Mm. He didn't rep LA. Hector didn't rep Chicago. Fucking, you know, it was just, these niggas were from Miami. Like, you knew they were from there. Obviously, they're not going to diss where they're from. Right. But it's not where you're from. It's where you're at. You know, you've heard that. Yeah. They yeah. represented Miami. They were all about Miami. And they, they like me, didn't like um, out of town people coming in and, and acting like you know they've been here all their life but they're still from New York when I you know I joined Crazy Hood I remember so I'll get to that in a second but when I joined Crazy Hood I'm like alright fuck it you know I like music I'm with you guys all the time fuck yeah let's do it so I joined right I remember my first meeting I went to because they used to have these meetings at East House but they were like top secret I couldn't go to any of those right which was mm. fine because I wasn't in the crew but I remember Doug would be like yeah I gotta go to a meeting and you know we talk up later I'm like alright whatever and in these meetings <laughs> that's when they would talk the music shit Mm. Um, so I remember the first meeting I went to, <laughs> this motherfucker Paul, uh, gets in a fight with another dude that's in, in, in click at that time, right? So I'm there, it was like my first meeting, and the next thing I know, these motherfuckers is fighting, like, bah, bah. I'm like, fuck, what the fuck? And I gotta grab one of the motherfuckers, kinda like, hold him, yoke him up, pull him to the side, trying to calm him down, because that's my boy too. And then you got Paul yelling all kinds of shit, and the motherfuckers is holding Paul back, and I'm like, what the fuck did I just say yes, yes to? You know what I'm saying? Like, thought this was supposed to be some like business shit these top secret meetings and these motherfuckers are in here beefing right so down the road the dudes that Paul beef with thoughts beef with um you know they end up leaving CHP and they they in a, you know they, they you know and they just went on about their separate ways right, right? right so then we lost those two and then I remember he kind of giving me a backstory to why there was beef I guess there was always some tension back in the days mm. niggas talking shit back and forth and it just I guess blew up and I just happened to be there that day maybe I was that that spark that lit that right. that thing I don't know <laughs> you know I supposed to have that kind of a personality but anyway um, <clears throat> so yeah so that that happened right I'm like what the fuck are you getting to but either way 
I stuck with it. And, um, you know, and, 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 and Crazy Hood at the time, I mean, I thought this was just a dope name, right? It was always Crazy Hood, Miami, all of EFN's mixtapes at that time. I don't know what, what album he, or what mixtape he was on by that time. Mm-hmm. But they were all Miami, Miami, Miami. So I get into, so I joined Crazy Hood. Now we start, we start making some moves, right? Where we start saying, all right, you know, we're going to get organized. We're going to kind of take that military approach. Mm-hmm. We're going to go every... He had his meetings at his dad's house, and he had them, like, I think, religiously every Wednesdays. But we're like, all right, we're going to get out of his dad's house. We're going to go to Kinko's, right? We're going to kind of change the setting. We're going to go to Kinko's. Kinko's at the time was like the photocopier shop. You know, like, you go in there and make a million copies of whatever the hell you wanted to make copies of. Yeah, yeah. So, so we go to Kinko's, and we're working out of Kinko's. And um, and we're, I don't know, we're probably doing that for a year. But we're doing this, like, at fucking midnight, probably mm-hmm. on Wednesday. And uh, we were there so religiously, and we were so, like, we would get... Now, at this point in time, this is now where we're heavily getting into promotion. And we're talking about, like, street team promotion extreme, but just for Crazy Hood. Mm. I mean, we were making posters about ESM mixtapes, uh, huge posters, and we would go and glue them on the highway columns under the highway. We would staple in two signs going down 88, uh, Kendall Drive. We were just out there constantly pushing EFN's mixtapes. We'd get on the beach, EFN's start, you know, EFN's doing a couple of clubs here and there. We're on the beach passing out flyers, passing out flyers, passing out flyers constantly, right? That's all we were doing. Right. So we were in Kinko's constantly creating flyers, creating mixtape covers, and creating these huge ass posters promoting the mixtape covers. Mm-hmm. I mean the mixtapes. Yeah, yeah. So the dude the dude in Kinko's was like, um, you know, and, and then so I'm sorry, at the time you know, right now the crew is basically Humphrey, which was one, he's one of origi- uh, original best friends. Right. Me, Paul, Steve, um, I think Eddie wasn't in yet. Eddie, Eddie came in, you, you heard the story about it. He kind of came in like right after me. Um, mm-hmm. And then, was there anybody else? And Doe was in the, in, in the crew too, right? Mm-hmm. And I want to say that was it at the time. Now, we're there religiously, midnight, whatever, at Kinko's, and there was a night shift in Kinko's. Kinko's was 24 hours, and there was a dude named James there. And James, he would just be like, yo, you guys are always here. Why don't I just give you the conference room? We're like, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, you guys just come in and use the conference because there were so many of us, we would take up so much space on the floor, and like customers and stuff, we were always in their way. Yeah. They were like, yeah, well, to him, I think to him it was like, let me just put you guys in the conference room to get you out, out, you know, out of everybody's <laughs> way, right? Yeah, right. But for us, it was like, dope, we got a conference room, right? So now yeah. we're like really legit, right? So now yeah. we're going to a conference room, we're like really, all right, now we got some business meetings. Like you heard another podcast, if you were late to the meeting, you're doing push-ups, you know, we used to collect dues. I forgot what the dues were. I think it was like twenty dollars every meeting from everybody. So you know, and we would save up money to be able to do shit. Right. So he he's he's like the mastermind, right? So he's now, mind you, he's doing mixtapes now. You know, and his and his mixtapes are, are are dope at the time, and, and nobody really was pushing mixtapes out at that time from Miami. It was he was my. So you had he was on the club scene. He was on the mixtape scene, and then he was like. And we were like ahead of our time, right? Because we were like balling on a budget. I mean, we were running crazy hood and we weren't like, we didn't have investors, right? We didn't have drug money coming into us and being like, yeah, you know, you, you got a hundred thousand, do whatever the fuck you want with it, right? We, mm-hmm. This is just our, our blood, sweat and tears going into crazy hood. Right. Um, and at that time we were doing shit people weren't doing or what you wouldn't expect from, you know, some underground label that, people really don't know about right so we had we had a website when websites first came out mm. with a blog and, and 
all the, the hottest hip hop shit that was out there. Right nowadays, you see that shit all day out there, right? Right. Yeah. We had um, at one point in time we had a wrapped vehicle. We um, we mm. started making gear, right? And this is all like in our in the infancy of like, like crazy good maturing from EFN just doing mixtapes to now we're gonna we're gonna branch out and do all this crazy shit. We did crazy good gear, and we had so many different styles. Like I was looking through my box of shit the other day. We had a catalog. That we created in Kinko's. I mean, it wasn't the best catalog. It was 80s, 90s graphics at the time. Yeah. But we had a catalog that you could fucking order whatever crazy hood gear you wanted. We had like a, a bunch of different styles. Wow. We had we had reversible jerseys. We had jackets with crazy hood on them. Wow. We had baby tees for the women. We had t-shirts like with all kinds of different logos. Everything had 305 on them. Uh-huh. 88. Some had some kind of reference of Miami. Yeah, yeah. So we were we were doing gear, and I, then that became my thing, right? Charles, you're going to do gear, you're going to do the website. Okay. Uh, you know, Eddie's going to be doing promotion. You know, everybody else is going to be kind of doing their other their other things, right? Mm. Steve's also doing promotion, whatever. Um. So we're making this gear, right? So we're like, and and our gear to me is dope. I mean, we were rocking that shit like everywhere we went. If there'd be twenty of us, we all had crazy hood gear on. Yeah. And people and then the logo and the and the, the the logo or the not the logo but the model was like, who's crazy? Right. right. Um, like, and, and you know, that's a dope shirt, right? People yeah. see that shit, oh, I'm crazy, I'm crazy, who's crazy, but whatever, right? So that, you know, that would get people interested. <laughs> yeah, then sure. we had our website and all these other things. Um, so, you know, we had we had a lot of that going on. We were reorganized at that time and we were really making moves, right? And that kind of progressed, right? So now we're, now we're like, okay, all right, now, right at that time, he's bringing in Adrian and Hector and all them to mm-hmm. do some, some music. Right, and right around that time when I'm in there and we're in Kinko's, you know, that's kind of all coming together. Okay. So then we're like, okay, it forms, right? They form the alliance. And now here's the other dope thing about E. E, and you heard Rich say that, Rich say it in, in the podcast before, mm-hmm. which was his uncle used to do those, um, I forgot what he called it, uh, Bronx, New, New, Oh, Newberry. the Newberry, the Newberry uh, Freestyles. Yeah, Newberry Freestyles. Yeah. So when I heard that, I was like, that's kind of like what E would do, but... We didn't call it Newberry Freestyle. But whoever was rapping at the time from Miami, it didn't matter what hood you were in, he would always try to get you on the mixtape. Mm. He was always trying to bring Miami together. I mean, he was constantly trying to bring Miami together right. because he repped Miami. And that's one thing I like because being born and raised in Miami, I love the fact that we all we do is rep Miami because that's that's where we're from. So we would always get, you know, whatever artist it was at the time, Dynas, uh, uh, the scam was rap, you know, whoever, whoever these different artists were at the time, I, I can't remember all their names. We would get them on a track and we would, we would put some things out there. Mm. Um, he was always trying to bring Miami together. That, that to me was what was so dope. And then we got to a point where we got so frustrated with the hip hop scene because when we started pushing out the Alliance albums and the singles and all that stuff, mm-hmm. you know, we were getting love. Um, but there were also still those, those, those DJs from New York or those DJs that were here and they were always constantly playing New York thing and it was like, unless you fucking intimidated them, you know, it was hard to get your shit played, yeah, right? right? Right, So, you know, we constantly, you know, we were constantly putting pressure on the DJs and all that, the scene out here, you know, to play the shit in the clubs and it was always about when you're in the club, it's always about, oh, where's New York at? Where's, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, it was always repping out other New York. So, we, we, we started calling those people fake out-of-towners. Mm-hmm. It's like, you're in Miami and you're shouting out every borough in New York. You know what I'm saying? We used to hate that shit. Right, like right. you're in Miami shout out all the boroughs in Miami who's from Kendall who's from Liberty City who's from fucking um, wherever right. you know, wherever the fuck who's from Cutler Ridge whatever now 
we used to call it fake out-of-towners so much that we made tracks called FOTs and we called it fake out-of-towners. Mm. So we were tired of Miami not representing Miami and Miami representing every other fucking city but Miami. Because the only thing at that time still representing Miami was the Booty Music, Two Life Crew. Then you started having Trick come out, you had Poison Clan come out, you had JT Money come out. You know, those were all Miami artists, but majority of the time, the DJs were playing New York shit, right? Or, or right. shit from other places. Right. So we, we, we were trying to make the Miami movement. So we were always combining and trying to bring Miami together. And that's one thing I also loved about E. So then we start saying, okay, we're going to do some shows, right? Let's start doing some concerts. So I think our first, now, they, I think they, I don't remember, but they might have did something while I was in the Army. But when I got back, the first concert we did was a, uh, uh, was it Smith & Wesson? No, it wasn't Smith & Wesson. It was, um. You're listening to the Family Ties podcast series, A Crazy Hood Story. We also want you to check out Drink Champs and all its affiliated podcasts like Dugged Out Thursdays, A Drug Dealer's Dream, and many more that are being added to the network. So check us out at drinkchamps.com. Also check us out at crazyhood.com. And stay tuned for new episodes of Family Ties dropping every week. Uh, well, we all we said let's bring a group down. And at the time... He was cool with the people with um, Help the Skelter. So we brought them down and we did a huge party on the beach. The show was a hit. Uh, it, was, it was just like a dope party, right? And we, yeah. we had them, they came down, they performed. You know, we, we had a real big buzz. We were promoting it like crazy because we were always doing that aggressive street team shit. Right, right. And by the way, if you're ever promoting, you never want to promote with Paul because if you get stopped by the cops, Paul doesn't know what to say to cops. He, he likes to insult them. <laughs> I remember one time, just, just a side story. Yo, I got pulled over with cop uh, Paul. I had like probably literally four guns in the car, and Paul, we get pulled over. We're probably drinking and all that shit. Right. Cops pull us over. They they open the door, right? Because cops didn't give a fuck back then. There was no yeah. they weren't recording them and playing them online. Um, the cops went to open his door. That dude Paul grabs the door and closes it. <laughs> so, what you doing opening my door? I'm like, yo, Paul, man, chill out. Because I'm like, I got four guns in the car, and I know the cops. They're just, they just they want to make up some shit and fucking yeah. arrest us. They're gonna make it up and arrest us, yeah. right? It's not about like to me. You just gotta give them. They, they're on that power trip. Just give it to them, right? Get, yeah. get it, give it to them. Be nice. Get it over with and keep going, right? right. All you want them to do is leave you alone. I don't want to fucking. I'm not trying to fight the world yeah. with these guys because sure. you're not gonna change shit. And I remember. Uh, and they, they, so Paul closed the door on him, and that was it. That cop was like, get the fuck, and open the door, pulls him out. They come over the side, pull him out. Yo, they're like, yes, they're taking his license. And while they're, like, running his name, Paul's like, call the cops if you see Tupac. Like, singing songs about fucking cops, fuck the police, and shit like that. Right. I'm like, yo, Paul. And I'm like, look at him. I'm like, yo, Paul, chill the fuck out, right? I'm like, this nigga's going to get us arrested. And we had, I think we had a party to go to. I'm like, this guy's going to fuck up the night. Yo, I remember the, the cop's partner came to me and was like, hey, what's, what's wrong with your boy, man? Like, why is your boy being such a dick? Because, you know, this can go down a different way. And I'm like, yo, listen, man, I'm real sorry. And I apologize for Paul. I'm like, I'm really sorry, but, and I'm just making some shit up. I'm like, he got pulled over like a month ago and um, he wasn't doing anything and the cop fucked him up. Uh-huh. And, and the cop really like <laughs> abused him and like hit him with a stick. You know, I just made up some shit. Yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. So since then, he's been very upset about that because he really didn't do anything at that time. So he's very um, resistant to cops. And that guy was like, the, the other cop goes, oh, I hate cops that do that. Yo, I'm so sorry. <laughs> he fucking believed right? it. Goes back to his boy and they let Paul go. Wow. And they let us all go. Like, I don't know if Paul had weed on him at the time. I don't know what the fuck it was, but 
I'm sure we were drunk and we had guns in the car. You know, they could have made up anything. They could have dropped a bag of coke on us and said, yeah, you guys were fucking doing coke, whatever. Yeah. But they let us go, right? So they, anyway, the point of that story is never go promoting with Paul. He's an asshole. Anyway, um, so go, switching back to the, the Helter Skelter. Helter, yeah. That shit was it. So we're like, yo, let's do another party, right? So we do, um, I think the next party, you know, he's doing clubs at this time. And and during this time, there's like three types of DJs, right? There's um, there's club DJs. I think there was Epps. He was doing a lot of DJs, at, uh, a lot of stuff at the time. You had Khaled, who was on the radio, right? He wasn't as big as he was as he is now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he was doing clubs too, and he would have some nice... And then you have the mixtape DJs, which was E. So it's like we're going from mixtapes now, and we're getting in the club scene, and we're also going to um, doing shows. Mm. So I think the next group uh, we met. Uh, so during this time, he opens up Crazy Goods, right? Okay. And in Miami, I think at the time around Kendall, there was only one. I think it was called the what the, the, the Shack or the Hip Hop Shop or I can't Backway. Backway was the name of it. Mm-hmm. Um, there was only one place that sold any type of hip hop. Uh, clothing or mixtapes or anything and it was called Backway and it was in, in Kindle, right? It was like you couldn't get it anywhere else. E opens up Crazy Goods with Eddie. Him and Eddie go in, they open up Crazy Goods. Now we're going from, mind you, starting off just as mixtapes to mm-hmm. him putting together artists, you know, bringing the all together. Right. Now we got Crazy Goods going on and, you know, we're doing clubs. We brought down an act and you know, we got Crazy Hood gear, website, clo- um, a rap vehicle and now we got Crazy uh Crazy Goods, Major. which was our hip hop store. Yes, right. Which was fucking amazing. Um, mind you, trying to kind of rewind a little bit. Garcia comes in the picture, but Garcia comes in the picture. Why we're in Kinko's? Back back to the Kinko story. Sorry, and we'll, we'll flip back. Right. Why we're in Kinko's? That dude James. He's like, hey, I know a guy that raps. And we're like, oh, okay, James. And he goes, he was like a, you know, he was just like a white dude. He, you know, he wasn't a white dude. I don't know what he was. He was probably Spanish, but he was older. He was older than us, and he didn't fit the hip hop stereotypes we're like okay whatever guy he was like you know he comes in here and he does um things for his album that his single he's shopping mm. so um we're like okay so he gives us this this demo and, it, and the name is severe at the time right and it's in what we call garcia today um apparently and because paul likes to have him make sure his hands are in everything apparently garcia had talked to paul before the kinko's incident but um i don't know what came out of that but paul kind of already heard about him uh-huh. um but James brings us this guy, he's like, his name is Severe. So then E, because E, we're, we're bringing in the music, right? We're bringing it all in together. We, we listen to Severe shit. We're like, okay, it's, it's not so bad. We can mold him. He's a young artist. And we can kind of get him to where we need to be. So then Garcia, we, we bring him in. And, you know, he, he joins Crazy Hood as well, right? So he joins and he went from Severe to, uh, we call him Gambit. But then we started getting uh, uh, heat legally from, or we were, we were worried about getting heat legally from using one of the comic name so we, uh, then he changed it to Garcia right gotcha. but he, he, Garcia was ill right he was an ill lyricist now he's an ill lyricist yo Adrian ill ass lyricist but he's a dickhead just remember that Hector fucking dope ass yo Hector is ill ass fuck uh-huh. and Paul he's pretty he's good too but he has his own style right but my favorites were fucking um I'm not even saying my favorites are but anyway um <laughs> these, these guys were all rapping right so <laughs> the point is that um, uh, go- going back to so Garcia's there, right? So we got Crazy Goods right. now. Crazy Goods is going on. So so Nori comes. So Nori comes into town, right? Whatever uh, whatever label he was on at the time. Because at this point in time, I'm uh, sorry. E and Eddie are now are doing a lot of uh, promotions for the record labels. And when E and Eddie are doing promotion for record labels, it kind of involves the whole crew. So we're right. all promoting these different record labels. 
Uh, at the time, Nori comes into town. Um, dude was humble as fuck. You know, we clicked. Everybody clicked with him. You know, motherfuckers got him weed, and, you know, he was happy. And, yo, he was just cool, man. So he was like, he showed love every time he came to Miami. He would be like, yo, let me get a crazy hood shirt. Let me get a crazy hood shirt. He would rock him on, on stage, wherever he did a show. Um, just showed us mad love. We would roll with him. You know, if he came into Florida, we were with him, right? Yeah. And um, he, he became real cool. So we brought him down for, uh, so I think when Capone came out, we wanted, he wanted to do a party, uh, the reunion. Mm-hmm. So we did another. So we, you know, they come down and we do another party, right? So we start doing these parties. I think we did two parties with Capone and Nori. I can't remember at the time. But, you know, this shit was off the chain, right? It was a lot right. of fucking fun. We made a, you know, we did our thing and it was, it was a blast, right? Um, you know, crazy, crazy goods. The clothing store is popping. Um, you know, he's making his money. He's doing whatever, selling the gear. Every time artists came into town, they would stop there and they nice. would do some kind of promo. So he would throw block parties there. You know, DJing, hit break dancing, graffiti, all that shit. Right. So it was, it was a dope scene. That's tight. And um, I was gonna say, well, you know, interesting enough, there was one time. I guess this was like when the hip hop police were kind of around. Uh-huh. Because Crazy Goods, I think it was around for like three or four years. I can't remember. Um, but there was a time where I remember one time we we pulled up. It was like late at night and we pulled up. And, and you know, it's like crickets, right? You look around, there's nobody around, right? Like we were in a plaza and across the street from the plaza was a gas station and another plaza. Uh-huh. But it's probably like three in the morning. We're at Crazy Goods. There's nobody around. I get out of the car <clears throat> to take a piss. I'm like, yo, I'm just going to piss around the corner. And I had my gun on me. Uh-huh. And when I went um, to take a piss, I took my gun out and I kind of put it on the wall. As soon as I put, took my gun out and put it on the wall, like five cop cars came out of nowhere. Whoa. DTs, yeah. DTs, like, this is what I'm trying to say. Like, it wasn't like we were drug dealers or anything like that, but they were watching the store. Like, there wow. was the fucking hip hop police watching the store. Wow. And I remember I, we were like, because I was like, it's like fucking cop. Motherfuckers pull up on you real fast. And you obviously want to get the gun and, and fucking. So I grabbed the gun. I turn around like, oh shit, it's the police. So I fucking drop the gun, right? Yeah. So they're like, and mind you, my gun's my gun's legal. So they fucking, um, you know, they're all oh, drop the gun, blah blah blah. You know, they're doing this shit. I'm like, fuck, these guys are gonna shoot me. Like, and all I was doing was taking a piss. Yeah. But the, the thing was, they just came out of nowhere. So many of them. It was like, what the fuck? Where they were these guys hiding at three in the morning? On like on a fucking Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Right, it was like that's where they were at. <laughs> so random. And they yeah, fucking yeah. they hog tie me. They put like strap my legs and my fucking hands through me in the back of the cop car like a fucking pig. Wow. Like they literally they hog tied me yeah. and put me back in there. And I'm like, guys, I'm like, the officer, I have a concealed weapons license. You're, 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 there's not anything you're gonna arrest me on. They're like, well, your gun's not concealed. I'm like, I was, I was taking a piss. Right. They're like, ah, oh, whatever. And they go through this thing, and they really didn't have anything. It was just their, they thought they had the chance to search us and they were gonna find kilos of coke or whatever the fuck they thought they were gonna get. Right, and we didn't, we didn't have anything, so they just they just had to let us go. The problem was they exposed themselves. Right now, now we knew that we were being watched. Mm-hmm. So like like after that, we were like I think um, some time passed by, and we didn't you know end up closing the shop during online and stuff like that. But um, you know we had a we had a we had a store that did clothing. It was around for a while. and It was dope. Can you describe like how important that store was uh, to Kendall? Because you got it was hard for music to get out there to Kendall and then with you guys having the store uh, you guys had you brought that access you brought that content to the community and you brought not just that but the actual artist itself to come out how important was that to the community oh that was 
important because think about it. Mind you, we're again we're in Kindle, right? We're in Miami. Yeah. So if you're in Kindle in Miami, where are you ever gonna see an artist? Yeah. You're not. Yeah. Right? But you would see them at Crazy Goods. Yeah. Not only would you see them at Crazy Goods, you would see you get the latest mixtapes, you get the latest gear that was out. Because right. you couldn't if, if you were gonna get gear, you maybe you had to go downtown. Right. And that's if they even had good gear, right? So crazy that gear that we always had artists and you could fucking meet them. They'd come in. We'd have parties around that. We would throw the parties. We would announce that there's an artist coming and we would do the whole promo thing, right? right? So right. It, it, it was it was dope. Kids and Kendall loved Crazy Goods. They would remember, especially like the younger ones, right? That were yeah. kind of, at that point, they're in high school and they're in junior high yeah. and they would love it. He would sell tips for the spray cans. Um, he just, he had everything in the in that store that was anything related to hip hop. He had his, he had a, a record pool Motherfuckers would come and they he would you know all the records that he would get they he had a record pool right they'd come and they'd pay x yeah. amount of money a month and they'd come and get whatever records and vinyl that he had yo yeah. the dude had everything on lock and that store was was the best yo before Pitbull blew up before Rick Ross blew up both of them dudes were on E's mixtape E showed them love just because they were from Miami wow wow right? before them motherfuckers blew up and that's why to this day. We've had a mad tracks with Ross, and we've had mad tracks with Pitbull. Yeah, and not that he, they, we pay him; they just just out of love, right? Yeah. I mean, and that you know that's another thing with E. Because us as Crazy Hood, we're so you know, we're so real. Like you know, we don't dick ride, and we don't sweat, and we don't you know come out of character or whatever the case may be. Is we're just real ass motherfuckers. If you cool, we cool, right? Right. And a lot of people respect that. A lot of respect people respect E because now at this point in time, he's been in the game for a minute. Yeah. I mean, E created, I think E, I forgot what mixtape he ended at. He was the, the mixtape king of Miami. It's the one and only DJ to fuck drama. You know, I had to come down to MIA to chill with my nigga, mixtape king of Miami, DJ EFN. He represents Crazy Hood Productions. It's my nigga, my dog, my dog. EFN, Crazy Hood. It's funny how tables turn, right? Nobody wanna mess with Miami. It's like everybody up north ain't see Miami before. All they, all they do is boo the shit. You know they some bad. <laughs> now we taking over. Country. Everybody wanna be from Dayton. Everybody wanna be from Dayton. Third world yeah, that be me. Mr. P to the I, I to the T, just the three to the O, O to the five. When the keys go low, and that's no lie. I'm like Denzel, boy, a man on the fire with all these fake ass rappers. Man on tired, TGK Metro West, Day County, let's ride. This for them boys doing state and fair time. This the boys on the block about that she going see me. Come through the wrong time, get your pussy ass kidnapped. Wood 28, no Miami hat. That's the first time I seen my first slab of crack. Over town known for that smashing grab. You talking to the Willie Falcon of rap? That dude put out a um, at the time, which was fucking crazy, a two disc mixtape with a DVD on it. Um, I think it was the twentieth mixtape or whatever the case may be. Mm. But yo, the dude's mixtape game was on point, and yo, his intros with the all and the Crazy Hood team, them shits were like my favorite. And then mm. when he would get other motherfuckers from Miami to get on some shit and spit, them shits was dope. And he would always have. If you listen to any of his mixtapes, he would always have the illest drops from people. Yo, what's up? This is Kanye Tudor. You tune in to DJ EFN, the mixtape king, you know what I mean? The rock is in the building. This the hottest shit on the streets right now. Like, how I'm the hottest shit on the beach right now, bringing the heat right now. Everything is fucking fantastic, people. I'm feeling good. Salutations, this is your man, Joe Button. 
Just in case you didn't know who this was, just running off with the mouth. Kind of hoarse right now, but we doing this shit real heavy. EFN, Miami's mixtape king. Don't get shit fucked up. Yeah, yeah, this is a good weed right here, EFN. Yeah. Y'all niggas tuned in to Rick Ross, motherfucking Miami Mayor, DJ EFN, the Down South mixtape, Don. Don. Crazy Hood in the Carrot City Cartel. Get murdered, murdered. Yo, yo, Crazy Hood Mixtape presents another D D J J E E F F N N Mix Mix Tape Tape King. This is your nigga John John, Mr. Meth. Where it out? Wu Gambino still mobbing. Killer B still swarming. Everybody else suck a dick, eat a dick, however you do a dick. Fuck it. We gone. Peace. High as fuck. I can flip burgers and be high as fuck. I can flip burgers and be high. Even to this day, he, he even had, he even had a, uh, I think his album one time had like a whole collection of different freestyles he had to include Redman. Um, before he even put out his his album album, but his mixtape had like all these dope ass freestyles That's that he's collected over the years from different artists, Keith Murray, Redman. I mean, all kinds of people. It was just fucking dope. Right? That. That, this is the kind of shit this guy was getting. And I'm gonna bring it all together at the end, but um, so going from so Nori, right? So we you know we do the show for Nori. Nori shows my love. They start doing the Sirius XM radio show. Uh, this is this is after this is after uh, Crazy Goods. This is after Crazy Goods because now we went from Crazy Goods and we bought a warehouse, right. and in the warehouse we call it we call it the office, but it's it's the studio right now. Right. We're there every Wednesdays, and we we have our own studio set up in there. We're selling our gear out of the office. Um, you know, online, and um, you know, it was just consolidating the office into a studio. Right. I'm sorry, consolidating crazy goods into a studio. Okay. Um, that way, you know, artists could come, they can smoke out, they can do whatever, and we weren't worried about the yeah. hip hop release, right? right. Now, whatever. So, you know, they started doing the uh, Militainment X Crazy Hood Raw show. <laughs> what up, man? This is DJ EFN, and it's your boy NRE. We got hazardous sounds of the boys. <laughs> KNS. And we listening to Militant and Crazy Wild Radio. Make some noise! Right, and that was kind of them dabbling into, you know, doing what they do now, Drink Champs, right? right. And back then we were calling shit Drink Champs because Drink Champs, even before Drink Champs occurred as a podcast, Drink Champs was just, we could just fucking drink and hang and it was no thing, right? It wasn't like it was a, you know, we could just handle our own. Not to say we're like, we can out drink anybody, right. but we can hold our liquid. Right, that was just what other. We would drink so much. I mean, it would be bottles of bottles. Like we should have been sponsored by a liquor company by now. So we would drink so much bottles all the time that we were like, hey, we're drink champs. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. so in the in the office, we would do you know all kinds of crazy shit. Then we we moved the office. He starts uh, Crazy Hood Film Academies. Crazy Hood Film Academy starts doing documentaries. We go to Cuba and we're now documenting hip hop in Cuba. Yeah. Right now, with the coming home, shit. with the coming home films, yeah, with the coming home series, right? So now yeah. we're so mind you, if you, you go, if you rewind, you're back like these are some guys in high school. Mm-hmm. They have a mixtape, and they was just writing on a fucking the insert, mm-hmm. and you know, then they went to Kinko's, and we start 
creating album covers, we get a rap vehicle, we get a website, blah, blah, blah. Now we're fucking traveling the world doing documentaries on fucking hip-hop. It's crazy. It's like, what, what, what the fuck? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it, shit just doesn't stop, right? And then, you know, we go to Cuba. Then um, we go to, um, I think the next one was Haiti or Peru. I don't remember which one was first. Then we're in Vietnam. We go to fucking Vietnam. Yeah. Who the fuck goes to Vietnam to document hip-hop? We do. Right, that's that's what's so ill. Fucking. Then we go to Colombia, right? Now, mind you, all these chips are fucking amazing because you're with your friends right. and you're docking, you're finding out about hip hop in other countries that you had no idea of how they think about hip hop. You know, when you compare it to the states. Right. So now you're doing that shit, and then now they start Drink Champs, right? So you have Crazy Film Academy doing the documentaries, and um, then you have um, Drink Champs um, coming up, right? And now, like you, you were rich saying, now you have Family Ties, we have all the the subsidiaries of Drink Champs, you have the Dugged Out Thursdays, you have the Drug Dealer Dream or whatever. Yeah. You know, you could just see that now the kind of just wrap it all up. This is just a fucking guy from Kendo, some Spanish fucking kid that was in LA, moved to Miami, got a bunch of his friends together and said, fuck it, I'm gonna do music. Back then, when you would be like, yeah, right. <laughs> the guy, you're not gonna get anything done. Yeah. This fucking guy has done all of this shit with Crazy Hood by his side. Yeah, it's true. Very that true. to me is, is mind-boggling. Like the people I met, I hung out with Outkast. I hung out with Red Man. I mean, fucking people that I fucking you know like yo, I, I chill with De La Soul, and again, they're like my favorite artists. And it's like fucking crazy the shit that we have done yeah. and accomplished as a crew throughout these years, just being some fucking guys from Kindle. It's crazy. Like like the power of persistence and and. It's like chess, right? He had the strategy, he executed it, and we're still there. And we don't, and it's not even about the fame, right? Because there's been so many opportunities that we could have been like, yeah, let's let's pay the DJs for this, or let's do that, and we yeah, did it. Yeah, or, yeah. or let's switch up the music and let's do uh, some girly song or whatever, and we did right, it, right? right. right? There's, there's so many opportunities we could have kind of sold out or whatever the case may be, and we, we haven't. And we still keep that that underground vibe. And, and to this day, like you, you look at a dude like Noreen, that's like our boy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We got mad love for Noreen. Like yeah. that nigga's looked out. He's jumped on a bunch of tracks with us. We've had little John jump jump on tracks with us. I mean, the features that we've had on songs throughout the years has just been ridiculous for some dudes that are just out of Kendall. And that just goes to show that the persistence and the loyalty that we have for the game. Yeah. And people recognizing that we're some real motherfuckers, yeah. like all of that comes into play because we were not, we weren't a fad, we weren't uh, a fucking like a lot of these fucking groups that aren't around anymore that started and and, and and ain't there no more. I mean, we we've been consistent. We're like the fucking rock at Gibraltar. We're just still here. We ain't going nowhere. Yeah. This is ill. Yeah, and it and it, and it keeps going. Yeah, very true, very true. <clears throat> I have a question um, regarding the the coming home. So, mm-hmm. you've been to. Uh, you've been in all the films. You've been to all the countries with your friends. Um, how were those experiences, like filming it and s- witnessing hip hop there in those different countries? And I mean, you guys going and you know, with the hopes of, hey, there, let's hope there's hip hop there. Let's hope we f- we find those people there that we could connect with. How are those experiences like? Yo, those 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 are like the earliest experiences because number one, you see. Because you're from America, America's a shit, right? right? As far as music, hey. we went. I remember when we went to Peru. They were like, we don't, we don't even like the American hip hop anymore because it's. They told us straight up, it's commercialized. It's all about the business. It's yeah. not the essence of hip hop. Same thing when we went to Cuba, right? Like you know that America influences hip hop, but 
They don't they don't really like the shit that's out now. Yeah. They don't. They like the old school shit. All right. It, and it's and it's and it's um and it's interesting because like like it's like they know that hip hop right now is all about the money and it's and it's not the pure essence of hip hop that it was back then when like when I fell in love with it. Right. right when I had all the different genres of, of fucking different flavors of, of music that I wanted to fucking listen to, it was there. Right. They know now that the shit is just all about auto tunes or whatever. It's just right. you know every song is about drug dealing or, or bitches. You know, and, and you know and that's not what, all what hip hop was about, right? right? Or balling. They know that. And interesting enough, you know, like you can see that they love hip hop. They have the love for hip hop in its pure essence of what it is now. I mean, of what it used to be, what we used to love about it. Right. And so you you find that interesting. So right. in some countries, like you go to Cuba and Peru, you know, and, and Colombia, Colombia was you know because we went to Colombia recently, so you know they're they're the game's a little different, right? You have a little bit of mixture of both. You had some old school cats, and you had some some niggas that was you know some street niggas, and they was about about it. Right. But when we were in Peru, uh, you know, they they really kind of talked down regarding what the industry is like today, right? Mm. When we were in in uh, in um, Vietnam, you know, I remember asking the question of, you know, how does how does American hip hop influence you? And they were like, man, it doesn't really Japan hip hop influences us. Mm. So like, you're like, oh shit, you mean Japan? They're like, yeah, Japan is the major influence of hip hop in Vietnam. It's not America. And funny enough, because in Vietnam we were like, well, who do you like as American hip hop? And they would name some random guy, uh, um, MC MC Blue. Like who the fuck is that? Uh, because now in Vietnam, the thing about Vietnam, the hip hop in Vietnam is at, at its infancy. Mm. Like you have you have artists, and you have some guys that are rapping, but what's what's blowing up there is is break dancing, and not even break wow. dancing. It's more pop and locking. Wow. I mean, like we went to so many pop and lock places. Like I thought I could fucking do the shit after <laughs> I left. <laughs> but that's something we saw because that was that's what was prevalent. That was what was prevalent there. It was like that shit was everywhere. Yeah. And you got some MCs. If you ever see the documentary, you got some MCs. But yeah. it was like, it was all about um, pop and locking. But when we asked them, like, who do you like as an MC? They would name some guy MC Blue. You're like, we're like, who the fuck is that? They're like, that guy's like the original uh, rapper from New York. And we're like, what? How did you find him? YouTube. Wow. And then when we looked, we're like, who the fuck is this guy? Nobody knows who this guy is. It was like some guy that filmed himself rapping. Put it on YouTube. They loved him, and I think they even flew him to fucking Vietnam to do a show. Wow! And the guy was nobody. Like he was nobody. He was like just like if I just got on YouTube and I spit some rhymes, and they're like, "Oh, this guy." That was that, that was came up in their search engine. That's crazy. So, yeah. So that's that was their that's their influence of American hip hop. They don't really know about a lot of the shit right. like out here, right. you know. And 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 they get that shit from Japan. Now I just Japan the hip hop scene is like fucking totally different, right. and you know, got its own style, but. I mean, just to go there and just kind of hear their perspective on different things. It's interesting. As it relates to the music, to hear them say the same things that we say now as people that listen to hip-hop and, and we're old school to know that the game ain't the same, the industry has changed, right. and the essence of hip-hop is kind of kind of lost a little mm-hmm. bit. Mm-hmm. Like, to hear them say that and they're not from here, you know, it kind of just validates the way you feel. Very true. Yeah, so, yeah, so I, I think that's it's very telling. I mean, it's been awesome experiences, man. I mean, fucking... It's just crazy. I can't wait till we go somewhere else. What does loyalty mean to you? Yo, uh, loyalty me, man. I feel like, for instance, I have a very small group of friends. I have two sets of friends. I have not the friends that I have. Like I said, I grew up 
when I would go to church, those guys are still my friends today. I love them to death. Mm-hmm. Do anything for them. And then I got these guys. These guys are like my same subset of friends, uh, my other subset of friends. I don't make new friends. Uh, I don't got best friends outside of these guys. Mm-hmm. Loyal to me is like when I when I say I'm yo, you my dog. You know, I got love for you. That's that's what it is, man. If I gotta die for you, then I gotta die for you, right? Because I'm gonna right. die one day. I don't give a fuck when and and how it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. So to me, it's like if I tell a motherfucker I'm gonna die for you, then that's to me loyalty. Like this is how much I love these guys. Like right. these guys are brothers. Like I have I, anybody I say I love, yo, that's that's what happens. I'm willing I'm willing to go down for him. It doesn't even matter. Right. That's what loyalty me is to me is like. I'm willing to put my life on the line for any of these motherfuckers if it has to happen. Yeah. And and I want to say it probably has happened before, but, you know, nobody died, so it's all good. Yeah. Um, because the shit we've gone into, I mean, we should, Jersey Shore or whatever them fucking reality shows they got out today got nothing on us, man. If we've had a camera following us from 93 to now, we'd be billionaires because yeah. we give you content all day. I mean, we used to go out today with these motherfuckers and you don't know what the fuck is going to happen. It is just fucking crazy. Right, right. So, um, what are your thoughts on the crew today and moving forward? Uh, drains a dickhead. And outside of that, uh, I think um, moving forward, I mean, I think I think there's all kinds of places it's going to go now. Like, we had the Coming Home series, right? right. We're going to create our, our next documentary. And mind you, we're doing Coming Home without a deal, right? This is just yeah. us doing it right. with yeah. our own money. Yep. Um, so, imagine... We had my, and here's the other thing. When I went back to a balling on a budget, uh-huh. you know, everything that we've done so far that I've described has been us with our own money, whatever money he makes, whatever the fuck money we make, we all put in. Right. That's been us, right? It hasn't been some some dude coming in with, you know, some record label coming in and saying, yeah, here, you got unlimited funds, make moves. Because if we had that, the shit that we've done now from some dudes from Kindle to now, we had unlimited funds or like a backing of a label or yeah. whatever. Can you imagine the shit we would really do? Yeah. Right? Yeah. So if we've gotten this far on just what we've had and put in together, you know, yo, the sky's the limit. So I'm not, I know that coming home, again, we've already, this is going to be our sixth series, our sixth episode that's going to come out when we do another one. Right. right? Columbia's the fifth. We got the podcast coming out. You know, we got the podcast with, with Dream Champs. So you know that's going to blow. They already, that, that's going from a podcast to a TV show. I remember when they used to be like, yeah, we have we have 5,000 listeners. Oh, we have 10,000 listeners. Now these motherfuckers have over a million listeners. Yeah, and they got sure. a TV show, right? Uh, so you know that spinoffs are going to happen, right? You already see the spinoffs happening with the Drink Champs. They got the Drink Champs Network. Yep. You know, and he's going he's gonna to break in. Once they're coming home, we get that in a deal. If that's what we want to do, that's going to blow up. And he's just exposing himself. He's album. He's album is fucking ill. You know, him taking old school fucking people and bringing in new school people right. and putting them together on a track to educate the fucking youth and, regard, and, and even educate the old school cats about who's new now and right. not, or, or the uh, the young kids about, you know, who's who's old school and, and, and still sounds dope. Yo, that shit is fucking classic. I don't think there's an album out there that does that today. I mean, that another time album yeah. is fucking crazy. But, you know, he's obviously he'll come out with some other shit. I mean, I just think we're going to fucking move. We, we're still making Crazy Hood gear. We still came out with new designs. We got uh-huh. fucking hats. We got new designs on shirts. I mean, this shit just doesn't stop, right? So, 
you know, we're not going nowhere, man. I mean, we've been we've been crew for a long time. Like you've heard everybody say, we hang out every fucking other day. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk all the time. We got group texts going on. We fucking make fun of everybody's podcast. You know, it's, it's, it's just, it is what it is, though. We just, we're, we're not going nowhere. And, and moving forward, it's, I think the sky's the limit, man. And with he, he doing his little chess moves because he thinks he's a fucking ninja, and that's one thing I'll tell you, he, he used to want to be a ninja when he was a kid. And I'll just throw that out there, just to embarrass him. But yeah, he thought he was a ninja. He used to have that little black mask and he had little Chinese stars and he'd go, hi-ya, hi-ya, and he'd do little karate chops. He was probably like six. But yeah, he confessed that to me one time. But anyway, yo, that dude doing his little ninja moves, we're going to fucking, shit, just going to keep going, dog. We're like, what, in our 40s right now? Our kids already know about the shit. It's, right. you know, I got plaques all on the wall. It's, we, we give each other plaques for our albums and our accomplishments. Start. You know, and you got Boris making fucking beats now, dog. Boris, uh, that's another cat. See, I didn't even talk about Boris. Boris just came in in, in the crew and just fucking making beats left yeah. and right. You know, they can't right. fucking beat with Juvenile Trick on it, man. Yeah. Uh, his beats are hard, man. His beats are really good. Yo, Juvenile and Trick Daddy. <laughs> his first fucking major. Yo, they who gets that? I love Juvenile. I love Trick Daddy. I mean, this guy got them on a fucking beat. The thing is, Probably doesn't he, you know he's young, right? So you probably really didn't even know juvenile, you know, in the world. We had, you know, you, you had to investigate it, right? It's not yeah. like it's off the top of his head. But yo, but just it's that still, you got boys doing that shit. That nigga's gonna blow. It's just fucking crazy. You got you got all these dudes doing their own businesses. You got rich with his bail bonds. You got heck with his piece of shit. You know whatever. Yo, and, and Orlando with his green mile shit. Garcia's doing mad videos and production. Right. So I mean, it's just I keeps don't know. Keeps that expanding. Yeah. yeah, man. Yeah. It's like everybody's doing their own little franchise type shit. Yeah. Um, so, you know, just let me leave, leave the, the, uh, I don't know if you're still recording it for the fans, but just one more thing. Drain yeah, go ahead. Dickhead. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I love you, Drain. my man, dog. In our next episode, we meet another member of the Crazy Hood family, Boris, a.k.a. Beats in the Hood. He's a quiet guy, but his music speaks volumes. Producer for some of the premier artists in hip-hop and Latin music, his production skills got him nominated for a Grammy. Tune in and listen to his crazy hood story. New episodes of Family Ties come out weekly. Family Ties is a crazy hood production. This episode was produced by DJ EFN and myself, Jay Havana. Our theme music is titled Southwest by DJ EFN featuring MC8, Blue, and can with production by the guild if you like what we're doing please rate and review us on apple Podcasts. it helps new people find out about the show also check us out on audio boom and crazyhood.com always authentic always crazy <laughs>